Uh, well, so this morning we'll be uh, continuing our series um, in respectable sins, uh, and we'll be thinking about, uh, as you might expect from the question, we think about the sin of unthankfulness, and I hope as we consider it that we will be, uh, we'll, we'll have an awareness of our committing it, we'll see that, that it is something we've done. Uh, it's good for us to be convicted of sin, isn't it? Uh, but we mustn't stop there. Uh, in the introductory session, some of you would have been here, it was two weeks ago, uh, John T reminded us of many things. Um, but I hope most importantly for us today is that Jesus died for sinners. We all know that. We are sinners, no doubt, but Christ died for our sin. So as we consider this particular sin of unthankfulness this morning, I hope that we'll always remember to cast ourselves on Christ's mercy. And I hope that that will lead us to thanksgiving. Well, that said, let's, let's begin by thinking about unthankfulness. Uh, before then considering the consequences of unthankfulness. Uh, So that's our first point, unthankfulness, a Christian discipline. Well, as Christians, we can often be obsessed, can't we? What is is the will of God? What's God's will for my life? Where does God want me to live? Where should I work? Who should I marry? They say that books on this topic sell out like no other. Now, I haven't read many of them at all, But I I suspect that most of them probably aren't all about this. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That is always, in every occasion, whatever we experience, to give thanks. Uh, The Psalms are full of this theme of thankfulness. Uh, here's just a few, few examples. I will give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. Uh, and we know, don't we, that there's an exceptional variety in, in the circumstances by which the Psalms are written. Uh, some Psalms are explicitly for thanksgiving, like giving thanks to God for particular things. Um, others are, are for giving praise to God. And yet others still are, are laments, songs of sadness and weeping. And yet in all these types, uh, we see the theme of thankfulness coming up time and time again. And what does this tell us? Um, that the life of God's people is, is one of giving thanks uh, to him in all circumstances. In all circumstances. Uh, and we know, don't we, that the thanksgiving is never empty. It has, it has a substance. Uh, that is, we're giving thanks uh, for something, and that thanksgiving is always directed towards someone. Uh, what do we see when thanksgiving comes up in the Psalms? Uh, as far as I can see, it, especially in the references that I mentioned, uh, thanksgiving is always directed towards God uh, as the psalmist considers the greatness of God. Uh, so we'll just take one example If you open your Bibles up to Psalm 105, just read a few verses from there. As I read it, listen out to to what's the psalmist thankful for. What's the psalmist thankful for and who's that directed to? So I'm reading from verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. 
tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. So it begins with thankfulness and and then the psalmist recalls all these these wonderful things he can think about God. His wondrous works, uh, the miracles, the judgments, all these things that uh, the psalmist is calling to mind. It's clear, isn't it, uh, that the heart of thanksgiving is towards God and all the wonderful things he's done. So that's the the discipline of thankfulness. Well, let's think about unthankfulness and what are the consequences of unthankfulness. So we've seen that thankfulness is a Christian discipline. And maybe we're thinking, uh, yeah, maybe maybe I should give thanks more. Uh, We realise it's a good thing. We should acknowledge God's grace for us. But is it a sin not to be thankful to God? I'm not sure. Maybe we think, well, yes, it's a sin, but... But maybe it's not a serious one. Surely there's, there's much bigger problems in the world, more widely damaging sins we could focus on. Well, uh, of course, to some extent that's true. There are more, quote-unquote, serious sins. Um, yet scripture shows us that unthankfulness, it, it's almost like a root sin. Uh, you might say it's a root sin to far greater sins. So let's, let's think about right to the beginning. The creation of the world... Our creator God had filled the earth with every kind of plant and animal. He placed man, Adam and Eve, in a beautiful garden. Not only did they have the gift of marriage, but God uh, had given them, Genesis 2.8, caused to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Beautiful rivers flowed out of the Garden of Eden. There were beautiful stones. We could say, couldn't we, that, that Adam and Eve lacked no good thing that God had provided bountifully for their needs. And yet we, we know what happened next, don't we? Adam and Eve, thinking that, that what God had given them wasn't enough, uh, they clutched for more. Uh, they took the fruit from the only tree that God had forbidden them from eating from, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Though they had everything they needed and more, they failed to give thanks to God for what he'd given them. Despite God's commands, they disobeyed. And in in doing so, uh, obeyed the words of a created being, a a serpent, instead of their creator God. Uh, And their sins, uh, their subsequent sins of godlessness and idolatry, uh, we might say, ultimately began in their unthankfulness. They're not acknowledging uh, the goodness of God in thanksgiving. Uh, And we see this same theme come up in Romans 1. So again, do turn to to Romans 1 with me. So Romans 1, and I'll be reading from uh, verse 18. (coughs) For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. 
uh, as with Adam and Eve in the garden, Paul is, is saying that the greatness of God is, is, is clear for us all to see. It's been revealed to us uh, that creation itself, as it was in Eden, uh, that testifies that there is a good creator God, a good God who has revealed his invisible attributes in creation. And, and yet by nature, without God's Holy Spirit, we suppress that truth. Uh, we don't rightly acknowledge God in his grace. Uh, and let's see what comes next. Uh, let's continue on verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Did you see it there in verse 21? All these things that are in these verses that come after, being futile, foolish, and practicing idolatry, where do they have their source? Well, verse 21, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Give thanks to him. Uh, again, as with Adam and Eve in Eden, where do the sins of godlessness and idolatry begin? It's in unthankfulness. It's an unthankfulness at all the blessings God has given. Not acknowledging that all good things come from him. That he is far better than we ever realise. So, is unthankfulness a serious sin? Well, I hope that we can see it. It's more serious than maybe we first thought. At least, at the very least, it lends itself. It leads to far uh, more sins. Well, we'll, we'll think uh, more about application, and it will get a bit more uh, cheery. I hope in the second part, uh, how how we can be thankful to God in all circumstances. Um, but first, uh, there's a couple of questions down at the bottom of your sheet on the first page. So, why don't we take um, four or five minutes to discuss those, and I'll draw us back. Um, <laughs> Well, maybe, uh, as we're thinking about this, maybe we're, maybe we're feeling a little bit convicted so far. Uh, maybe we think, we, we know it's right to give thanks to God for what he's done, but I, I just don't do that nearly enough. Maybe you're thinking that. Uh, maybe you're thinking, I, I know it's God's will that I give thanks in all circumstances, uh, but I just find that there's so many times when I don't. So let's, let's think about application. H- how can we cultivate thankfulness? Well, I think that one thing that's really helpful, uh, I hope anyway, is to view all our circumstances through the lens of the gospel, or or at the very least, uh, through the lens of of God's goodness more broadly. Uh, And therefore, seeing that God is so abundantly gracious, uh, and that it's a joy, it's a joy to give thanks to him. So that's where I'm hoping that we'll go. And as as I've already said, uh, unthankfulness is rooted in too small a view of God's goodness. So let's think about some of these all circumstances that 1 Thessalonians 5.18 talks about and how the gospel or the goodness of God more broadly can help us to abound in thankfulness. Well, firstly, uh, we can say that everything that we've been given, every good thing we experience is a gift by God. Here, Acts 17, verse 25. Nor is he, that is God, served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. 
He gives us everything, whether that be relationships, material blessings, skills, talents, health, whatever it is, that is given by God, everything. Even if, uh, particularly say for skills and talents, uh, we may well have worked hard to attain them, and yet we can say also that there are countless mercies by which God ordained that we would be able to achieve them. Uh, for those of you who are students, uh, you may think that it's because of your really hard work that's got you here to university, University of Leeds, Beckett University. It's because of my hard work. And of course, that's, that's definitely true, right? Um, but, but it's good to remember, how's God provided? Well, well, you've had teachers that have taught you until now, all throughout school. Uh, you've, had, you've got finances to fund your fees and your living costs. Academic ability to be able to study. A house to live in here in Leeds. And there are so many more we could say. Uh, how God has provided graciously for us uh, for, to be in the circumstances that we're in. Uh, how does that relate to the gospel and God's goodness? Um, well, well it's, it's God sovereignly caring for and providing gifts for his children. He is the great gift giver. He, he provides all the means by which we can live for and serve him. Uh, how wonderful that we can give thanks to God when he does abundantly provide for us. And we can say also, he has abundantly and infinitely better gifts prepared for us in eternity. He's the great gift giver. Uh, alternatively, if we become unthankful in these things... Uh, in God's gracious gifts, there is a danger that we'll become self-sufficient, isn't there? Uh, that we might suddenly uh, think that really it's by our, our own power or work uh, that we've achieved the good things that God has given us. Uh, we won't open them now, but there's some uh, verses from Deuteronomy uh, down on your sheet uh, that show exactly that. That unthankfulness, uh, it leads to self-sufficiency. So it's, it, let us remember, therefore, the gracious God who provides abundantly uh, the good things for us. And these uh, by no means leaves out the fact that, w- that we can give God, give thanks to God in every circumstance of life, uh, even those that are less substantial. Uh, I-, I wonder if there are any relatively trivial things uh, that get you worked up or worried. Uh, maybe it's uh, worry about uh, it raining tomorrow when you're walking the kids to school. Maybe there's not enough milk for you to eat your breakfast. Um, uh, for me, it's definitely, uh, I've got to get eight hours sleep a night. And even if it's seven and a half hours, I'll be grumpy and annoyed. I'll have a whole evening routine. I need to make sure that I get to bed in time and everything fits together nicely so I can get those eight hours. I can get pretty grumpy and frustrated if I don't manage it. And and, and in the grand scheme of life, right, it's a pretty trivial example. Uh, The difference between seven and a half and eight hours, well, it's pretty negligible, right? But it's, it's great, isn't it? That even in the moments when, when God graciously provides those eight hours sleep, I can give thanks. When it doesn't rain um, and when there is enough milk, we can and we ought to give thanks to God, even in minor, minor moments like these. Well, uh, how does this relate to the gospel and the goodness of God? Well, we have such a great God, great beyond our comprehension, and yet he cares for the minor details in, in his children's lives, these tiny things. Great God, and God cares about them. So whatever grace he shows, whether uh, small or large, let's give thanks. 
give thanks to God. But if we just, if we just left it there, uh, that is to say only to give thanks when, when things are going well, we'd be missing something, wouldn't we? Uh, maybe sometimes we think we, could, we can only give thanks to God in the good times, uh, the times when we can clearly see his grace. And yet the wonders of the gospel, as we move on to our third point, is that because of God's abounding grace for us, it is a blessing to give thanks, even when we're in the pit, when we feel down or hopeless. I think probably for many of us, this is when the, the real challenge of the respectable sin of unthankfulness begins. We maybe don't find it too hard to to give thanks and to be thankful in times of joy and gladness. But giving thanks even in sorrow, it it just feels overwhelming sometimes. Often it it doesn't even feel possible. We can't bring the words to mind. We don't know how we could give thanks to God in any way. And as we think again about 1 Thessalonians 5.18, giving thanks in all circumstances, uh, particularly as we think about suffering, I think it's helpful to keep two promises of God in view. They're very uh, familiar ones from Romans 8. Uh, You can turn there if you like. I'm sure that many of you will know them. Really helpful to keep in view. So first of all, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who love God, all things work together for good. And verse 38. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, Let's uh, think back to my rather trivial sleep illustration. Let's just say I didn't get eight hours sleep. Um, Let's just say I couldn't get to sleep or I woke up early. I only get, say, four or five hours sleep. No doubt I'd be feeling pretty rough all of next day. It it almost seems counterintuitive uh, that I could give thanks to God in a moment like that. Maybe I could could bring the words to mind, but it it wouldn't really flow from the heart. Or at least it wouldn't feel like that. And yet at the same time, I can trust that God's promises are true and that the gospel gives perspective. I can trust that uh, though I'll feel pretty rough and unproductive the next day, uh, God will use that in some way for my good. He could be teaching me contentment or dependence on him. What's more, though it would be a frustration, not getting a good night's sleep, it's not going to separate me from the love of God. Uh, Of course, I'm not suggesting that we, we give thanks for the difficulty or suffering itself. I'm not to say, thank you, God, that I didn't sleep well last night. But rather, I think even in the midst of the frustration of it, I'm able to thank God that he will bring good from it. And now I'm in safe hands. Or more often than not, I might suggest that um, we won't see how God is bringing about good in a particular circumstance of suffering. We may well be completely in the dark. What about much more serious difficulties? Bereavement, loneliness, unemployment, heartbreak. And yet, for our faith in the gospel of our Lord Jesus, we can trust that he is working good. 
He is still a fountain of living water and the one who provides rest for our souls. We're surely secure in his grip. We are his children. So I think though our faith is often weak, what a joy that we can always be thankful, even in the midst of suffering. There's a couple more questions at the bottom of your sheet. Why don't we finish up on, on them and then I'll bring us back together and we'll pray. So have four or five minutes uh, to discuss those on your sheet.